Good morning, Grace Church. How you doing out there? Good morning. Can we just welcome those joining us online this morning? Say thank you guys for joining us. There you go. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for spending time with the Grace Church family. Amen. Hey, we're in a wonderful series, but before you get there, uh, just a few what I call pulpit pushes, last-minute announcements. Um, regarding the SEND event, I think it's really cool, and not by accident that it's coming to the Santander Arena to make an impact on this region, right here in Reading, right, and in in all the surrounding regions. And so what it really is... Um, I don't have to say a whole lot more, but it really is geared toward getting the youth and young adult interested in this man we call Jesus Christ, right? And so it's a massive outreach event. Uh, YWAM is really behind it, the Youth with a Mission, and a lot of other organizations, exactly. So um, those of you who are youth and young adult, if you're, if you're interested... Uh, we actually bought group tickets so that you guys can all be together and at a, a special price for, for group tickets for you guys. Youth, would you see Kate Henney afterwards and, and, or check your emails? And young adults, would you see Michael Lanza or Kate and actually click on that link to register so you guys can all go together, meet up there together. The rest of us, we're also invited. How about that? <laughs> we're still invited. Why? Because we're all contending, um, old and young alike, for the youth of this region, amen, for the next generation to come into um, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go. Alicia and I already bought tickets with two of our youngest kids are home, and, and we're going to be there. It's a 10-hour event. I know it's a long event on a Saturday, but it's going to be prayer and worship and contending for revival in this region right here in the Reading area. And so go to thesend.org, get your tickets today before they sell out. I would encourage all of us to go, and uh, we'll find each other. Maybe we'll all sit together. Amen. It'll be fun. So how many want to see God do something in this region? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Another announcement we have is that tonight we have the opportunity to support Grace students right here um, by stopping in, get this, at Yogo Crazy. Somebody say, Yogo Crazy. <laughs> it's in Why I'm Missing. It's a frozen yogurt place, right? And so visit Yogo Crazy anytime between 4 and 9 p.m. today, 4 o'clock p.m., 9 p.m. tonight. Um, and mention Grace Church to the cashier, and then Grace students receive the 20% of those proceeds. So, all right. Amen. You're suddenly hungry for yogurt ice cream today. All right. Very good. Hey, we're, we're in a Mission Possible series. Aren't you glad it's not Mission Impossible? It's Mission Possible. We talked about church being a family. Before that, we talked about church being a hospital. And then we uh, had a Mother's Day event where we talked about legacy. That was a really good message last Sunday from Pastor Ray. And we heard from Nancy. Wasn't that really good, everyone? It was just really, really rich. Today, we're going to talk about church being an army. Somebody say an army. And while maintaining all the other things we talk about, I think a church is lacking when we don't have all the elements. Amen. It's not like we ditch one to do another, but all these elements should be alive in what I call a healthy church family culture. So how many know that we're still functioning as an army? Man, when I got saved at 19, I was living a life of sin. I was far from God. I ditched the whole idea of God when I was like 15, 16, coming into my very young adult years. I was done with it all. I was done with religion. I was done with over-the-top legalism, right? And I was just done with the idea of God because I couldn't figure out. I was pretty sure God was mad, <laughs> for one thing, and I was pretty sure he was mad at me. And so... 
And so I just didn't know what to do with it, so I ditched it and just went on a party lifestyle, right? And for a number of years, until I was 19 and I got saved, and I thought, wow, there's a, there's a different kind of God. And I get introduced to the Holy Spirit, right? And I was, I was really, really radical. I and mean, I changed my life around overnight, and I thought, man, this fixes everything. But how many know, what I didn't realize is I had also joined a battle. Now, it's not as if the enemy was okay with me before, but he was pretty happy while I was partying. Come on, somebody. He was still out to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came into a different kind of battle. And so a lot of things, when I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, man, some things just dropped off. Man, I had a, I had a smoking addiction, and overnight, I threw that pack of cigarettes out, and I, it, was, it was just like gone. The addiction was gone almost overnight. And that doesn't happen for everyone. I'm just saying it did happen for me. But what wasn't easy was to break off pornography and sexual addiction because I was introduced to that stuff at age 10, 11. I can't remember. And that was a little harder to break, and I had to get into a fight. Come on, somebody. Somebody had to teach me how to fight in the faith and tell the devil where to get off. That took some time, and it took some mentoring, but, it's, but I was still successful. And another thing that broke off immediately... <clears throat> was was stuff like cursing. Man, I could I could curse like a sailor. I don't even know what that means, cursing like a sailor. I don't even know any sailors. But, I, <laughs> but that's just a phrase we use, and I could do it very creatively. I could fit the F word into almost every sentence. And you know some people who do that. Very creative people. Um, just creative in the wrong way. <laughs> but it, it just fell off. And it's almost like I got this instant conviction, and I could hear myself talking. And I'm like, it's, it's just not pure. What is wrong with me, right? So it fell off. But what took three years to break off in my Christian walk was bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. I had to fight. And I had to, I had to fight the fight of faith. And I had to get some mentoring and some coaching to learn how to tell the devil how to get off of my life. This is not part of me anymore. It's not who I am in the new creation that Christ was made. Does that make sense, people? Somebody say, I'm in a fight. So the, the army wing of the church really is everyone because whether you believe it or not, you're in a battle. And we need to just learn how to battle most effectively. Now, number one, I want to say this before I move too much further. Our, our salvation is secure when we say yes to Jesus Christ. So do not put your salvation on the chopping block when you're in a battle. Come on, somebody. You actually use the helmet of salvation, all right, to battle against the enemy. Come on. You don't put your salvation in question, but then we battle with that against deception. His biggest weapon is still deception. Well, there's many, many scriptures that we could go over today, but I, I promise to get you out of here before two o'clock sometime. In time to get to the yoga crazy place, you'll be out of here. <laughs> That's my sarcasm coming through. You'll, you'll be out of here in time. Many, many scriptures, but including the New Testament, surprisingly, use military and combat language when speaking to Christians and the church and those of us on a journey with Jesus. So let's start with Ephesians 6. Let's go there to Ephesians 6, starting at 10. And I'm going to read this passage. It's one of our main passages today, and I'll support it with others. It says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There's the deception coming at you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Some Christians pause right there and say, we do not wrestle. <laughs> How many know you got to keep going, right? It's just that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We got to know how we wrestle. But we're wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness 
otherwise known as evil forces, the enemy, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, he says again, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, with which you can extinguish, did you hear that? With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, there it is, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That means requests, making lots of requests for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Come on, let's just reiterate just a little bit. Our weapons, our armor in those passages that Paul writes to us, it includes faith, hope, love, the truth, righteousness of the gospel, plus prayer. Somebody say, I'm weaponized. I'm armed and dangerous. Come on, somebody. That is you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been powered by the Holy Spirit, you are now weaponized for something. And we need to learn then how to use those weapons effectively. Are you with me still? Paul, Paul seems to use this language a lot. I'm gonna shout out a few more in Timothy. He says in 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. See, we're in a warfare. And then in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says something else. Fight the good fight of faith, right? And so it's fighting from a different place, but you are fighting for something. 2 Timothy 2.3, he's a share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So come on, yes, we're in a war against the evil forces, but not without effective weapons to fight with. Amen, somebody? So here's one of the biggest questions that I get. Maybe you've heard this question or you're asking this question right now. If Satan and his demons are already defeated at the cross by Jesus Christ, right, why are we still fighting? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, a lot of, a lot of people have asked that question because it sort of throws me off. I'm supposed to walk in, in Jesus Christ, right? <clears throat> but then we get to partake in battling with him. Jennifer LeClaire, she's a, a prophetess and a prayer warrior. She, she writes this, and so I decided just to read what she wrote. I think it's pretty good, and we'll go into some other stuff. But she answers it this way um, to that question. Because we live in a world where Satan's fallen angels and God's fallen men, because we live in a world with, Satan's fallen angels and God's fallen men. Therefore, we're still learning to battle against that. The war is on for the souls of mankind. Competing with Jesus, that means the enemy's competing with Jesus who sacrificed his life to set fallen men free. Satan and his demons strategized to keep God's creation in bondage through deception. The kingdom of darkness is working overtime to keep the blinders on lost souls. That's why we're still fighting. Part of the reason we're here is to work toward fulfilling the great commission that's seen in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So authority was given to Jesus. Then he said to the disciples and to us, you have all authority. What's he given us authority for if we don't need it? Amen, somebody? 
Satan's goal was to make us ineffective or deceived or just passive. There's that passivity again. And to keep the lost bound in chains. So we read the end of the Bible as well, didn't we? Come on, we read the beginning, we read the end. He's already lost. He has lost and he will lose again. Jesus wins and then we win with Christ Jesus. Can I get a good amen? So it's fighting from that place because the finished work of the cross has done its work and it has placed us in the upper hand, meaning we battle with Christ from a place of victory in Christ, not as ones who are defeated, but of those who are more than conquerors, being seated in heavenly places with Jesus. That's a previous message that I remember preaching a couple weeks ago. Being seated in heavenly places with Jesus, meaning you have the upper hand. Fighting from a place up here is different than fighting down here, wondering if something's crushing you from the top. Now you're up here dropping bombs on his head. <laughs> Shooting arrows down in the top of his skull because you have the upper hand, right? Does that make sense? You are shooting from a place of victory, and when you have the higher ground, you have the upper hand because you're in Christ Jesus. Nevertheless, we still wage a good warfare because the enemy's still prowling around. Romans 8, 37, spinning off of that, it says, Paul says again, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You still with me, guys? I wanna just lay out five what I would call battle strategies today to get us launched. There's so many verses that I wanted to share today, but again, I would have you here till two or three o'clock, and uh, some of you just weren't up to that. So I, I, I cut some of them back, but I want enough to let us know today that when we're in a battle, but that we can be effective in warfare. So five battle strategies necessary to function as a kingdom-minded army that we are. Number one, this is good. Secure the home base first. Somebody say, I'm home base. I'm actually talking about you and what's going on in that beautiful mind of yours. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. We fight here first. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, this is where... He, he says what these strongholds are. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. When's the last time you stopped to think about the thoughts that you're thinking? When's the last time you heard you can actually do that? When's the last time you said thought be gone in Jesus' mighty name? How many realize just right now that you actually have the power bestowed on you by your heavenly Father, created in such a way to do battle right here in this place, in the battle of the mind, and say, that's stinking thinking. It's not obedience with Christ. I say, be gone, and I set my mind on other things. You have authority. Sometimes I think we have way more authority than what we use. Amen, somebody? Does the enemy have some territory in your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, right? Or your body that I need to deal with first in order to wage a good warfare out there. Win the battle in your mind first. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, pure, lovely, commendable, and excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's telling you where to go with your thoughts. Did you know that it's hard for me to tell people to stop thinking about something? Well, just stop thinking about anything lustful. Stop thinking about anything bitter. Well, now you're actually thinking about it, right? It's like telling you to stop thinking about a purple elephant. Well, you just did now. 
What works and what scripture tells us to do is replace your thoughts. That's why we're different than the New Age movement. Come on, somebody. We're not emptying our mind. We're filling our mind with the thoughts of Christ Jesus himself. That's why Paul said, I have the mind of Christ. Why? Because he was replacing his evil thoughts with pure thoughts and thoughts of doing good, right? And so we can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's living in us to do. Let me just say this before I move on. Temptation is not the sin, but this is the battleground. Now you know you're in a battle. Come on, you've been tempted. Jesus Christ was tempted. If you say you were never tempted, I don't know, you must be better than Jesus himself. But he did not sin. Temptation is not the sin, right? But that's how the enemy's saying, come on, do this. Wouldn't you like to speak evil about this person? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this about temptation. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's good news, right? That's good news, somebody. But that's where the battle is fought. Is there purposeful, sinful behavior, addictions of some kind, demonic strongholds, or lies of the enemy still hitting you, even though you've said yes to Jesus, you're still battling some of those stuff. What I wanna say to you right now, if that's the case, I'm not surprised. I'm not sure why you're surprised, but what I am encouraging you to do, keep fighting. Because you are in a warfare, keep battling. True Christians keep fighting. Not say, oh, well, this must be the way it is. Que sera, sera. I guess this is just my lot in life, right? Okay, am I stirring some of you up? Matthew 7, 5 says this, and, and I should, I should kind of lead into this because, because when the outside world looks into the, to the Christian church, for example, and I read articles about this and I haven't like pulled them all myself. When they look in and they see some of the same sins in the church that they see out there, they start shouting hypocrite, right? The difference with us is we're fighting the good fight of faith against the enemy, but they don't always see that. But those of us, the, those of you, those of us that aren't fighting could very well be called hypocrites because it's like, well, you know, we're all sinners. That kind of the Matthew 7, 5 says this, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, and you know there's more to that passage, but what that means is that if it is okay to say, yeah, I battle some things too. This is the way that I'm fighting it. This is where I'm getting mentoring. This is who I'm getting prayer from. This is how I'm interacting with the Holy Spirit to break every addiction and break every stronghold. I'm on a journey. How about you? And now you're not a hypocrite, even though you might be struggling with some things. Come on, somebody. That's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is those who stop fighting and just suck it all in and go, oh, well, am I making sense to you? Know Jesus. Surrender every area of your life. Do battle here first. Take on, take on home base and say, I'm in an army, but I need to make sure home base is secure. Acts 19.15 says, um, because some of them were trying to cast out demons before they were really followers of Jesus Christ, there was a place where these dudes were just using the name of Jesus. And this is what the devil said to them that through this possessed person. He said, but the evil spirit answered them in Acts 19. He says, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And then he reached out and beat them up. And that's a crazy story. But uh, well, I don't, I don't want to be that, right? I want to be one who, who the devil says, yeah, Vern I know, 
Come on, Casey I know, Pat I know, because they've been with Jesus and they know what they're doing. And, and when, they come, when they come at us, they're like, I'm gonna lose, I'm out of here. Those people are, know what it's like to be with Jesus. Amen, somebody? You ready for number two? Battle strategies. Then you say, let's know your enemy. Now I don't wanna make everybody into, uh, you know, study the demons, uh, <laughs> but we need to know enough that we know what we're battling. Some people, and the reason I say that is because some people really do see a demon in everything. Their car is broken, it's a demon. The washer broke, it's a demon. It's raining today, that's a demon too. You know, everything's a demon. So I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to like bring some balance, but we do need to know our enemy. And the reason is because we need to know what we're actually fighting against, lest we fight other battles that are not ours to fight. Who and what am I fighting against? And so it's clear in scripture where the battle actually lies. Otherwise, you're dropping bombs on the wrong thing, right? Uh, you're dropping it on people rather than the enemy, likely. First John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil's been sinning from the beginning, but the reason the Son of God appeared, meaning Jesus, was to destroy the works of the devil. You ever read that? That's actually why he came, was to destroy the devil's camp and his works and his practices. Back to Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, there it is, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, aka the devil and his fallen angels. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, that's your enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And one more, James 4, 7, says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I just wanna, I just wanna pause right there and say, that is your enemy. You're not fighting against people, you're fighting for people against the devil. Does that make sense? Spiritual warfare, by the way, just, just to cue you in, I heard someone preach this, and I really think it's true if you watch. Spiritual warfare is often relational. In other words, where you see relational damage being done with your brothers, your sisters, your wives, your husbands, children, watch if there isn't a spiritual element to it and start, start doing battle against spiritual forces and, and watch God work because Satan is out to destroy relationships first and foremost, people in relationships of all kinds, amen? Just think about that. It's often the devil's influence somewhere. Um, so you're not just fighting bad luck. You're not just fighting chance. And you know maybe it's karma you think is happening or whatever cause you think is out there to get you, but you have a very real enemy. Somebody say, the devil. Making it very clear. Now it's reading right into, right into three. It's like you're against the devil but number three is know your goal. What am I fighting for? I'm fighting against the devil, but I take most of my time and, and put it into what I'm fighting for, and that is God's people. His actual creation is what I'm fighting for, amen? Yeah, you're fighting for like the kingdom of God to be established. In Romans 14, 17, we, write that the, we read that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit but you're fighting for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in people, right? Okay, so I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm stepping on some toes, but there's no such thing as a Christian business. It's only people in the business that are saved, right? <laughs> Can't save a building. Can't save the bank account. 
There's no such thing as a Christian school either. <laughs> it's, only, it's only a school led by Christians that are actually saved, attended by Christian students, right? So, so think about it. You're, you're fighting for people. You're not just like out there in the cosmos going, I pray that we're a Christian nation. No such thing as a Christian nation. Well, now I really, now I, now I really messed some of you up. There's only people and governments that actually say we're submitted to God, therefore we choose to follow the Lord, right? The nation itself can't be saved, as in the USA or Mexico or whatever, but the people in it can be saved, right? And therefore, a nation can follow the Lord. So, do you see what I'm saying? So we're fighting for the kingdom of God to be established in people. And if we lose track of that, we, we sometimes mess up what we're actually fighting for. But taking enemy, and taking enemy territory means souls, right? Ravishing hell to populate heaven, as, as one preacher was saying. So we're ravishing hell to populate heaven with people, a, a.k.a. the kingdom of our Lord. Uh, uh, Pastor Ray last week mentioned Revelation 7-9. And I'm just going to read it real quick because it's what we're fighting for. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude, John saw in his, in his vision, that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and it goes on to describe, but that is actually what we're wrestling for. That is God's dream. <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard of this uh, Moravian missionary story, but I want to read it to you um, because it really uh, captures God's heart, I think, in in what we're wrestling for. And, and as, as I'm reading this to you today, um, I, I want you to ask this question. Am I fighting for the right thing? Do I have God's heart in what I'm fighting for? So their names were John Leonard Dober and David Nishman. I believe it's pronounced. They were Moravian missionaries. Um, this article says they're unsung heroes. Names who may not, read, uh, may not be read, uh, readily recognized. So John was a potter and David a carpenter. They're ordinary occupations, but extraordinary men. They are men who left the security of their jobs and families in Copenhagen, that's in Denmark, to become the first Moravian missionaries all the way back in 1732. That's a long time ago, right? They, they had heard that 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa were brought to an island in the Atlantic, there to live and die without hearing of Christ Jesus. And the owner had said, the owner of the slaves had said, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God because I'm through with all that nonsense. Right? He didn't want anybody to hear about Jesus Christ. But these young Moravians, they were in their early 20s, this article says, they heard about this and they, this is what they did. They sold themselves to this British plant, uh, plantation owner, slave owner, and they used the money that they received from their sale to pay for their ship passage out to this island. For the owner, he wouldn't even agree to transport them. They had to pay their own way. And as the ship left its pier in the river at Hamburg and was going out into the North Sea, carried with the tide, a group of Moravians had come from Herrenhut, Germany, to see them off. They all knew these young men were never to return again. For this wasn't a four-year term. They had sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery. The families were on the dock weeping. Some wondered why they were going. Some questioned the wisdom of it, actually, as we might as well. As the gap widened and the housings had been cast off and were being curled up there on the pier, and the young men saw the widened gap, one of them with his arm linked through the arm of his friend. 
He raised his hand and he shouted across the gap the last words that were heard from those Moravians, and they were these. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. May the lamb that was slain, Jesus, receive the reward of his sufferings. People. I know why Jesus died. He wants souls. And they literally gave their lives to a lifetime of slavery in order to see that happen. When I read that again, I'd heard that story years ago, but when I read it again, I went, wow. I've been quite sacrificed to that degree, but it reminded me of why Jesus died on the cross and what we're battling for. Somebody say souls. That is his reward. Number four, I feel like just pausing right there because it just hits so deep, doesn't it? Let's move on with the message, though. Number four, not that you know what you're battling against, what you're battling for, number four is partner with God. Somebody say with. We don't know who, uh, who this author was, Pastor Ray and I, but we, um, he found this quote this week, and I really like it. It says, we don't simply have a mission from God, but we're on a mission with God. That's a different stance, isn't it? Amen, somebody? 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers. And, and, and the simple way to do this is what I call pray, listen, execute. You pray and you listen spiritually and then you go do. And praying is like according to James 5, 16, when you know the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. That's James 5 because it's, it's the, the effective fervent prayer, some other translations say, avails much, right? So I like it. maybe I like the King James Version better for that one. And that's pray and then listen. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. You can hear through, from the Holy Spirit. He will lead God and direct us. Uh, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Also Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, right? Uh, so it's pray, listen, and then execute. And, I, and when it's execute, John 5, 19, even Jesus said to them, listen, this is how he functioned. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Man, he listened to the father before he went to that city, he went to that place, he did that. Otherwise, we, we, we go home and have a dream or have a vision and decide to fight our own battles, right? Rather than being led of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So we're, we're, we, we pray, we listen, and we execute that which, that which God is asking us to do. Man, you have a sphere of influence somewhere that God's already given you. If you have a job, it's your, it's your sphere of influence. You have a family, that is your place of influence. Um, so, the, so listen for the prompting of the Holy Spirit for strategy and direction and discernment, and wisdom, and then do it with God. Somebody say with. Ready for number five? Let's get practical. Um, number five, let's partner with Grace Church, but let's get practical. <clears throat> and and um, I don't mean everything that you do has to be partnered with Grace Church, but I'm saying there's opportunities coming up that I believe God's called Alicia and I to come join this amazing team of staff and, and body of believers to say God wants us to be a mighty army and their strategy here, I believe God has given us. So number one, I'm gonna say pray and worship with us as often as possible. Why? Um, isn't it just okay, you know, to... Worship from afar and online. Yes, it actually is okay. I'm really glad that we do 
online, actually, and we're not gonna stop doing that. But listen, when you pray and when you worship, especially with your fellow believers, it changes an atmosphere in a region. Maybe sometime we'll do you know, more of a, a teaching series about worship, but the impact of worship and prayer. And um, you, know, you didn't know that was in my notes, did you? Where's my brother that was at Daniel? He was actually talking to us in, in the prayer session before about the sound of heaven and how effective it is when, when saints pray and worship. But anyway, um, amazing. So exalting the name of Jesus displaces by default the enemy kingdoms and strongholds. So when you get together with your fellow brothers and sisters, there's power. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, right? There I am in the midst of them. But it's the pulling down of strongholds by default when you exalt the name of Jesus. Okay, more on that later. So pray and worship with us as often as possible. What that does is create an atmosphere where the enemy starts to run and he loses ground. Um, something that we'd love to see in the future practically, spiritually, of course, is a night of worship and intercession where we can not only worship, maybe extended, maybe more prophetically, maybe more spont spontaneously. Um, we used to do that in our previous church um, where we picked one night where we were like, let's go for a while. And then we would include prayer and we pray for revival in the, na in, in the nations, revival here in our backyard. And we, sometimes we prayed for the school. We dedicate the night to families or marriages or, or local schools. But, but it's contending heaven for what we wanna see and where we're not as limited, you know, like we are on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> and so there, there's more freedom, but it's also a place where practicing spiritual gifts comes alive and we can then, you know, declare and prophesy and get words of knowledge and things like that and just pray in tongues for a while. So I'd love to see a prayer and worship night in the future. Don't hold me to it. We're not ready to launch that tomorrow, but we're gonna, we're gonna launch that at some time. Why? Because God's called us to be an army and actually what we do is gonna impact the heavenlies in this place and then have an impact in the spiritual and then in the natural, amen? Um, so here we go again. Join a serve team. <laughs> You're gonna hear this a lot, but we're, we're implementing more serve teams. We're just gathering people from here and there and everywhere, and you guys are honestly amazing. I love all the people that serve on, on, on weekends and even throughout the week for summer camp and all that, but what it does is it helps create an atmosphere where the enemy loses ground in people's hearts, minds, and souls. Like when you join a prayer team, but when you do whatever team, you actually are part of creating an atmosphere where the enemy loses and God, God wins, right? You're serving in some capacity, even if it doesn't seem directly like praying for them or on the worship team, and maybe you're not preaching, but what you do also creates an atmosphere. Then someone feels welcome, somebody comes in, they start to get a hold of what God is saying to them. They go home free, yeah. right? All I did was serve a cup of coffee, amen. It was a very anointed cup of coffee. I'm telling you, all that stuff helps to create an atmosphere of God moving in people's hearts. You okay? In the future, we would love to see more groups that meet just to pray. And intercession is, a, intercession, by the way, is almost a lost art. But, um, but it's not lost among some of you because secretly a lot of you are intercessors, just maybe not publicly, but there's, there's places for that where prayer and intercession, every revival that I've ever read about in history, it seems to me you can trace it back to birthing with intercession, whether it was like three old ladies, right, in, in uh, the Welsh revival or other places, you read about intercession being there. Anyway, more on that later, uh, but praying for revival. For now, um, our, our friend Jason Ritchie, actually at nine o'clock every Sunday morning, he's committed to praying in room 105, M105, right? 
And, and if any of you are want to join, you're allowed to join, 9 to 9.30, then we do the huddle up here and talk about our service and, and, and we talk and pray again. But 9 to 9.30 in that room, anyone's welcome to join. You feel a call to prayer and intercession. You know, and I walked by there the other day. It's a busy time for me because sometimes I'm doing mic checks and, and greeting and all that. But I'm gonna join him as much as I can. Why? Because I believe that it sets an atmosphere. And uh, when I, we walked by there the other day, he's just in there praying in tongues. And I was like, oh, man, I'm on my way to do a mic check, but I'm going to go back and join him. So I'm calling to some of you. Some of you already right now have it on your hearts. You're going to join him next Sunday um, in room M105 right over there to pray. And we're going to see more prayer groups in the future. Amen. In the future, we're gonna see groups that serve the community and evangelize or outreach or do prayer walking and all those kinds of things because it's not just them, this is the hospital environment and now I have my wonderful Christian family, but then God lays it on some of your hearts to say we're gonna go downtown or we're gonna go uptown or wherever it is you go to the nearby Walmart. I don't care if you go to the nearby Dunkin' Donuts or Dairy Queen, but you're gonna go and you're gonna pray and see what God lays on your heart for those people. Man, when people do, well, you know, some, I don't know if you want to call them treasure hunts, but power evangelism. I'm not really fond of street preachers, to be honest. I, I, you know, because it seems like, it seems to me like, you know, and if you're called to this, forgive me, I might step on your big toe. I apologize. But it's like you see these street preachers on YouTube, and they just sort of shout out into the, into the air. Maybe that works in some cultures, but uh, I think what really, really works in our culture in America is called friendship evangelism. When people see that you notice them, people are so hungry for acknowledgement. And, and they go days. People can go days in our culture without anybody seeing them, recognizing them, asking their name, or even asking how they're doing. And if you say something simple like, is there anything that I could ask Jesus to do for you? I would love to pray because I believe in the power of prayer. Most people that we've encountered and that you've encountered, most people say yes. You might get one or two that say, uh-uh. You know, they might be afraid of you. Most people say yes, even if they haven't ever been to church. That's what we've discovered. They just want to feel that love, that Jesus notices them through you. And then there's groups that can meet to discuss business and marketplace and impacting the workplaces, right? Because we're called to be out there making a massive impact with the gospel and, and groups in the future that can strengthen marriages and parenting and break addictions of all kinds and strongholds of all kinds, all are part of God's army that says we're here to break the teeth of the enemy. Back at Lifeway, I did it, I think, three times with other gentlemen, but we had this thing called Conquer Series. It's for men, sorry, women. Uh, they didn't make one for women yet, but for men, the Conquer Series specifically gets men together to break the stronghold of pornography and sexual addiction. And I don't know if you're aware, but now you are, that it's, it's rampant in our culture. And surprisingly, the stats that are 70% of the church as well, the men in the church, and I'm not, I'm not here pointing fingers at you, but I know what it's like to battle those demons. And we got the men together. We had 18 men sign up for our first group, and it was an awesome, awesome journey week after week to watch the devil's teeth get crushed in that thing. Man, and by the end of that, you could see countenance change. You could see men going, I didn't actually believe when I first showed up that I could be free. Come on. Because it's such a part of our culture, you find it being made fun of in almost every sitcom that you watch on TV. It's part of HBO. You know, there's like sexual addiction applauded in front of us all across this nation. And it, unfortunately, I think that our nation um, gives pornography to the other nations of the world more than we give the gospel. Yeah. 
How about we change that? That would be awesome to change that, wouldn't it? Where we can say, when other nations look at the U.S. of A, they don't see child trafficking, they don't see prostitution, they don't think pornography, they think the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't wanna diss all the missionaries that are out there because they're doing a fantastic job, but right now, it's tilted the wrong way. But it doesn't have to be. The gospel is able to break these addictions. How about in the future, we have... Um, I actually, I think you guys did that, but we returned to doing like an outreach day. I think it was called the a Grace Church Serve Day or something like that, where we impact our local community. How much time do I have? Another hour? Oh, good. I'm actually making good time. <clears throat> Just a few more minutes. But um, I actually went to Harrisburg, I think it was like two years ago, and I listened to some Bethel uh, church from uh, pastors from California. I think it was Danny Silk and... Um, Chris Ballatin, right? Um, I'm not here to talk about Bethel Church, whatever you have seen on YouTube, um, <laughs> but there's some things about them that I really would like to emulate, and one of them was about how they decided to outreach into this city where they are called Redding, California, big mega church, thousands and thousands of people come to Bethel Church in Redding, California, but their city was one of the worst for crime. Get this, the biggest church, one of the, one of the only churches, but their city was getting worse. Why? Because all the Christians were turned inward. And then they decided, get this, the Holy Spirit laid it on, uh, I think it was Chris's heart, Pastor Chris or Prophet Chris, whatever you want to call him, to actually meet with someone that he knew in the city. And so he got a hold of the mayor, got a hold of the police force, and then he said this, and I thought this was really powerful. He said, what do you guys actually need to turn things around in this city? And the reason he did it, the reason that impacted me is what he said next. He said, churches, I'm not saying Grace Church, but churches have been guilty of trying to tell the world how they should feel loved. Right? We're going to do this. We're going to do this party. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to clean up this. And you're, you're going to feel loved. And the world's going, it's not actually what I need, right? And so he said, what do you need? And they said, well, actually, the police force is really suffering, you know, and this is one of the things. He talked about 10 things. The, the police force is really suffering. We're going to have to lay somebody off. And they got together. Now, they're a larger church than we are, thank God. They got together, and they said, how about outreach? We pay for that that person's salary, that police officer's salary, so he can stay on board. And then they actually went as far as um, giving them some equipment for them to manage better and to chase crime. They, I think they actually, what, what are those things? They actually purchased a set of drones so that they could stake out crime. And instead of chasing people across town, they got the drones in the air and they could see criminals running through backyards and, and met him when he stopped running. <laughs> It was really cool, but, but it's like, that's outrage to say, what does this city actually need? What does this region actually need? And ask the people that God has put in charge over the city, right? And then do some real legit outrage. And it could look like some similar things like we've done, but it could look like something else God puts on our heart. And of course, according to our budget and according to our time and energy and according to our size. So, amen. I'm just trying to impart some vision for the future. Um, I was about to do that in Lebanon. I was like, man, I need to meet the mayor here in Lebanon, but then I never got to. So um, I do know someone that knows the mayor in Reading, and so we're going to go through that person to get to that person. And, and I'm not saying I'm anybody. I really am nobody, but I want to know what this region actually needs before we um, spin our wheels and do a lot of outreach. Okay, somebody, I'm going to move on. In, in the future... I would love to see what we call equipping modules. I mentioned this before. Um, 
Equipping the saints for the work of ministry is really on Alicia and I's heart and the staff here and Pastor, Pastor Ray and such. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We call them equipping modules for now. And when we launch, you know, I think we're gonna still call them that. But I, the, I was reading Matthew 10, five, five to eight, and I'm gonna read it in the message translation. It says this, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers, and don't try to be dramatic while tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Now, I love that verse, and you have other translations that say very similar things, but I like the message translation. It's very clear and very poignant, very direct. But here's, here's the trouble. We think that when people get saved, they automatically know how to kick out demons as opposed to training them and equipping them, you know, to fight the good fight of faith. They actually know how to lay hands on the sick, you know, and I'm still waiting for someone to teach me how to raise the dead, but we're going to get there. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm just, I, I know I'm talking big today, but it's in the scripture. Why can't I talk about it? It's in the Bible. And so, so we just say, well, you got saved. Good. Good for you. Get on the worship team or something like that. And that's all wonderful. But I actually think people need equipping and training and a, and a safe place to practice spiritual gifts and and, and putting hands on someone to get healed and, and putting hands on someone to see demons cast out. And Alicia and I have got some experience, but not because anybody really taught us. I had to go to YouTube for my training. You know, I did go through Bible school, but they didn't talk about that stuff in Bible school. You know, in Bible school, many, many years ago, I saw one person that started manifesting demons in the worship, and they, they actually got us out of the way. It would have been a great opportunity for students, you know, to help. They got the students to stand to the side while the professors came and lay hands on him. You know, he's flopping around there for about 30 minutes while we just all watched. You know, I'm like, man, you should have got us involved, right? Because years later, guess what? We're pastors, and sometimes when we're praying for people and demons are manifesting, we're going, what do, we, what do we do now? We got busy really quick. Number one, we pray in tongues a lot. And then we say, in Jesus' name, be gone. But we learned quickly, didn't we, Alicia? We were like, no, you can't counsel a demon. You got to kick it out, just like Jesus did. And Jesus came and said, wait a minute. You, I'm equipping you. I'm giving you all authority to cast out demons and heal the sick and even raise the dead. And it's high time. It's high time that the church learns to do this stuff and finds a safe place in church atmospheres to practice this stuff and get better at it. I don't know what you're bumping into out there, but I can guarantee you that the U.S. of A. is not demon-free. If you thought it was, I'm sorry, it's not. They just know how to hide. There's a lot of demons in the USA who know how to act Christian, by the way. Hallelujah. I'm going to move on. <laughs> they like to hide in the USA. You go to some other countries. Man, a friend of ours just came back from, from places in Africa, and they're much more blatant over there. And the demons were even manifesting in their bedrooms at night. But over here, just as many demons, they act differently. And so we need to be trained to sniff them out. The Holy Spirit can give us all kinds of discernment gifts to say, mm, I know what that is. Let's cast it out. Let's pray. I'm not saying we need manifestations. Does that make sense? I'm not looking to give the devil more, more than he's due. Matter of fact, Jesus said, be gone. That's pretty much how he cast the demon out. He didn't spend a couple hours talking to them. 
I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but he was good at it. He's like, be gone. I have all authority. We have all authority. Okay, okay. I'm getting passionate about that. I need to wrap this up. We want to see local missions of all kinds. We want to see national missions of all kinds. And we want to see foreign missions of all, all kinds uh, making a kingdom impact in this place and every place. Somebody say every place. I want to wrap up by saying we're called to spiritual warfare. If you're a believer, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You're called to spiritual warfare in some way. doesn't mean you'll all do the exact same things every day, but you're called to spiritual warfare. All of us are called to practice it in some way. Amen. Before I go into the next thing, and we're going to pray a little bit. Uh, we're going to chase some demons today. We're going to chase some strongholds of the enemy. I just want to pray a prayer of faith before we close up. But before that, if there's anyone here that has not met the captain of the host of armies, the heavenly host, his name is Jesus Christ, I would love to just give you that opportunity to say, I need to be a follower of Jesus where I joined what we call today the army of the Lord. Amen. This family would, we just Honor, honor everyone here just for a moment and close your eyes. What, the reason we do this is it gives everyone some personal space to say, am I a believer? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Have I made Jesus my captain and my Lord and my savior? Am I part of this army that we're talking about today? If you're not and you want to, we would love to just take a moment and pray with you. If you just shoot your hand high in the air, that's all it takes. I see you, brother. Very proud of you. So happy that you're here. Anybody else? If you raise your hand high in the air, we'll simply pray with you. Nothing else at the moment. Anybody online, just type it into the comments and say, I'm here, I accept Jesus Christ. Let's all pray together real quick. Can we do that? Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. I receive your forgiveness. And I accept your invitation to join your family of warriors. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to destroy the works of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to Jesus today. Would you all stand with me? I want to close this by reading something over you and to you as a word of encouragement from Hebrews, and then I just want to close with a, with a prayer that breaks chains of bondage in this place, and anyone watching online and Maybe you're standing here today for someone that you know, and you've been praying for many years for those in bondage, and you've grown weary. I've been sensing as I put together this message this week and last week that there's a weariness in some of you, and you've been fighting for a long time and haven't seen the breakthrough that you want. I just want to read Hebrews 10 over you, starting at 35. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the, and the coming one will, and the coming one will come and not delay. That means Jesus; He will come and not delay. But my righteous one means you and I. My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Now, if you're here today and you're saying, I think that's what's coming against me is spiritual warfare. It's from the enemy. I recognize today that it's not just chance. 
It's not just because of where I live. It's not just because of my neighborhood or my family. I really think there's an enemy assault in my life in some ways. It comes relationally. It comes with sickness and diseases of all kinds. doesn't mean every sickness or disease is necessarily enemy territory. <clears throat> but, but I believe that many of it is linked to spirits of infirmity. You're battling all kinds of addictions, some of you, and some temptations of all kinds. Why? Well, how do I know that? Because a crowd this size usually is. Let's get real. We're fighting against the enemy. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's time that we say we don't have to take it. We have one that is a conqueror, and he has made us more than conquerors. And if we learn to battle and take authority over these enemy strongholds, we can tell him where to go. We can fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And if you're here and saying, I need a breakthrough, and I've been battling something, I'm not going to ask you what it is. No one's going to ask you. I would love all of us just to get into what I call receiving mode. Maybe it looks like your hands out like this or your hands up like this. But in your heart, just say, I'm receiving this prayer. Amen. Just get, If you want to come front down here to pray, I would love that. That's fine, too, but you don't have to. But if you want to come front here and contend for breakthrough today, I just want to end up by praying and breaking every assignment. Are we ready to pray? Let's all pray. Listen, if you know how to pray in tongues, I would love if you would just do that all together. Um, just pray in tongues. If not, just pray along with me or pray something else or just agree with me. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, I bind and renter in effect every assignment of the enemy over my brothers and my sisters here today at Grace Church and those watching online. I break every enemy stronghold. I break every curse assigned to them. In the name of Jesus, they are, un they are not under any curse anymore. They are saved and sealed with the power of Jesus Christ, with the blood of Jesus. I break every assignment of the enemy today. Every addiction is broken. Every sickness and disease that is coming from the devil, I, I break the spirit of infirmity in this place. Come on, all, some of you pray out loud and start using your, your tongues in your heavenly language. I can feel strongholds being broken right now over some of you. Some of you are actually feeling tingly because there's strongholds being broken in your brain right now and strongholds in your mind. Temptation, I say be gone in Jesus' name. We have strategies to tell the devil where to go, to get out of my mind, get out of my soul, get out of my mind, will, and emotions, and get out of my body in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Every demonic force, every demonic influence that has dwelled around me, my body, my soul, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Get out. Get out. Join me in saying get out. Get out. Get out. Get out in Jesus' name. I seal my brothers and my sisters. I seal me and my body. I seal our bodies, our mind, will, and emotions, my soul, my spirit with the blood of Jesus. Let's just say the blood of Jesus for a bit. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The finished work of the cross. That's what it means. The blood of Jesus means the finished work of the cross. That which he did for me is mine. That which he did for me is my freedom. Put on the helmet of salvation. I engage with the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, if you said yes to Jesus today, there's a book that we have for you. If you would stop by, 
uh, what we call the next step station right outside in the lobby. It's called Following Jesus. We'd love for you to fill out the connect card inside, and we would love to journey with you in any way that we can. Also, if you're a guest today, we're so glad that you're here. We would love for you to stop by that station as well and tell us who you are. Tell us how we can serve you in any way. Share your information with us. We'd love to send you home with a gift. And also in the lobby today, I would love if you all stop by what's called the summer camp station where um, they're going to put donations out to make summer camp happen for about 50 or 80 kids. It could be more this year. We're praying for more of a harvest. Amen. But, um, so visit the summer camp station. See how you can get involved and bring in stuff in that they need for this summer. Um, also, right after we do our last song, there's going to be prayer teams right up here, and I'm going to join them as well if we need to, right here and right here. We would love to pray for you in any way that we can. If it has to do with the message or if it doesn't, we would love to contend for what you need breakthrough in and wrap our arms around that and, and send you home with a smile. Well, listen, thank you, Grace Church family. You've been a wonderful audience today. Those joining online, we're so glad that you're there. We love you guys. You ready to worship one more time? Yes. Me too. Blessings.